We're here for the Snoke Collab Cup 2020 first ever podcast. It's going to be a bi-weekly podcast. We're going to talk a lot of smack. We're going to banter a shitload. We're going to have a couple of pints, rip some jewel. We are at 29 Massey. Place looks phenomenal, probably only for a couple of more days. Uh, thanks to an army of Filipinos that came by today and did a deep, deep clean. Uh, probably it's going to last until Wilpack gets back. Um, but we're going to dive into a couple of topics, and I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Absolutely, and there's going to be a few things we get going on the podcast throughout the run. Uh, first and foremost, uh, the mailbag. So we'd love to hear from you guys. If you've got any topics you want us to discuss, uh, any moves that have been made, things you're struggling with along those lines, uh, who to bench, who to start, uh, let us know, and uh, we'll be sure to talk about it on the next podcast. I feel like McMurtry is going to be firing a lot of mailbag requests in. Yeah, you know Bert is going to have to get up put on block at some point. Yeah. He's going to send in. Bert will have some quality. Mert will likely just have some clear decisions that he's second-guessing on a consistent basis. That will impact his franchise for the rest of the season. Similar to his relationship choices. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we got, a, we got a full agenda. We'll try and keep it quick and tight. And we'll fucking be kicking it off right now. Alright, here we are. Snow clap, snow clap, snow clap, snow snow clap, snow clap. Alright, before we get into the week one and week two results, although it feels like it was a month ago, because it was, uh, we're just going to do a quick little draft review, uh, what was considered the best draft to date in terms of entertainment. Um, there was also some questionable trades, some questionable picks, some steals uh, as we look back on it, and, and some... Uh, some things that we can definitely build on moving into week three for most teams. Absolutely. Um, so just taking a look at, uh, you know, following the draft, I made a little bit of a, a draft ranking the night of. May have been influenced, may not have been influenced by the people yelling in my ear after a Snoke uh, on what each people's rating should be. But uh, I threw Cammy at an A- minus at the top spot, followed by Will Pat at a B+. Plus. Definitely still feel like uh, Will Pat is... Uh, <laughs> is up there. Cammy obviously took a bit of a hit on the Saquon pick, but other than that, I thought he had a pretty solid draft going in. Um, some of the trades we saw, we saw the Katie flip there in the uh, mm. second and third with Will Pat. So, Ribs, I want to get your thoughts on, on Katie that. Katie, going into draft day, he was not comfortable in that position in the beginning, middle of the second. Um, I know he was getting a little bit of cold feet. And then, probably on paper, one of the worst trades ever, uh, trading down three picks in the second and back and up three picks in the third although it worked out on paper because uh will pat ended up taking some questionable players um at the time though nobody really said it because katie's a perennial favorite in this league and nobody wanted to step on his toes at the time though i was definitely raising my eyebrows i don't know about you oh absolutely i mean really you know the higher up you get in the draft the more valuable the pick and uh you know there was no consolation for giving up three in the second and taking three in the third uh, it was just a straight swap and uh, definitely had some questions raised there. But at the end of it, you know, with what they came away with, uh, Le'Veon and Cooper for Katie, obviously Le'Veon turned out to be just a garbo pick. And Galladay and DJ Moore for Will Pat, Galladay injured. Not a bad pick necessarily. Um, but DJ Moore, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Otherwise, um, your draft power rankings afterwards weren't too far off. 
Um, you had the gut at number two, and he's a clear upper echelon manager right now in this league. He's on fire, similar to his personal life. Yeah. And you had who? Playbook near the bottom? Uh, yeah, I had, uh, where's Peach here? Yeah, I had Peach at a C. Really the one I was uh, going off on at the draft night was Amo. Um, I still got to say, I mean, you know, it's, it's panned out all right for him. He's got uh, a typical Amo win when he put up something like 120 in week one. And, uh, in textbook Amo win, he goes, I think, out. 111, yeah. squeezes one out over Eli? Ah, uh, did he squeeze one out over Eli? We'd have to take a look at that. Take but, a quick uh, look. Yeah, check into that. Meanwhile, going through his team, I mean, it all began with the Chubb keeper where he gave up uh, a first. I mean, that seems to have worked out now that Chubb's put up a couple good weeks and uh, the guys who would have been taken at that spot seem to be falling like flies. Um, apart from that, Mahomes in the second, you know, obviously going to be good. But for that value, you could have had a guy like uh, Kyler Murray. Uh, you could have had a guy like I mean, yeah. Allen was keeper, but... Uh, you know, it was a reach. It was a bit of a reach. It was an objective reach. Quarterbacks are never uh, deserving of a top two, three, four round pick. I would say, even though they are the top point getters, there's more value in those. Yeah, positions. it's about separating from the peers, and uh, I didn't think that was quite the pick there. But as you move down, you know, he's his starting lineup looks all right outside of his flex and Gronk, who is gonna, you know, how much longer is he gonna start Gronk? The introduction of the co-manager rule, I think, would benefit. Aiming the best. Yeah. Um, yeah, it seems like he's mailed it in a little bit since ever his first since year his win. First win. <laughs> exactly. He seems to have mailed it in a little bit, but that's going to be costly in the next couple of years as the wager yeah. continues to climb. The buy-in's and about in year one. Continues to lose. In about two years. Um, so maybe Amo, think about maybe bringing on Stalgel or Cottingham, somebody that uh, would put a little bit more effort in and would not keep Nick Chubb when they have the third overall pick and who is now Alvin Kamara would have been your number one running back. I think that's where he went. Uh, looking to be maybe the best running back in the league. That's all right, Amo. Yeah, look into it. Uh, outside of that, you know, definitely somebody to keep for uh, for upcoming years as a draft uh, day spe- um, specialist who's not even in the league is Dave Rennick. Uh, we would have loved to have Dave on. Unfortunately, he's a little busy right now, but uh, he had some insights on his draft day. Always had the, uh, the next gun punched, the next bowl packed. Was an absolute MVP of the draft for keeping that thing moving, so... As always, a great hosting job by Katie, Ribs, um, and the other fellows at Michener who are uh, not part of the league. But uh, draft day went smoothly and uh, one of the best to date. So also one of the fastest, which was uh, important. Had something to do with all the bowls and beers being consumed, I, I so. would assume. Um, so yeah, let's uh, move on from the draft because that's a distant memory of all of ours. Now that uh, the league is starting to take shape, we'll touch quickly on a little bit of a week one review. A couple surprises, um, not many, and in terms of performance, um, and, I mean, I don't want to pump my own tires, maybe you can make a quick comment about the Mafia's 186, yeah, yeah, a little you know, out of character. Coming off of uh, a 10th in the league power rankings after the first three years, you know, I got some flack, Rips and I uh, butted heads a little bit about that. I pointed out his classic, you know, he's 6-7 and seven every year, his typical week, he'll put up about 115, 120. If he plays a guy who has a bad week, but he play, puts up a 90, then Ribs gets the dub. If he plays anybody <laughs> who has somewhat have decent of a week, then he'll take the L and uh, on track to a first-round exit. So that's been kind of my take on Ribs' teams historically. He, uh, he smashed that week one and clearly has a chip on his shoulder going into this season with a 186 win over Scary Terry, uh, a.k.a. Burt. Um, so that was definitely the uh, highlight of week one. Things- Quickly, to just flip that while we're on each other's teams, I'll do a little uh, 30 <laughs> seconds on the Collinsworth slide. 
and their 99-point performance in Week 1. Um, Collins were slide, I think, as a good team, and, and obviously a very hands-on manager devoting more time to this league than anything else in his life. Um, so a 99-point result for somebody like Amo, we, we understand. McMurtry, maybe we understand. Gerlings, sure. Collinsworth slide that uh, that is a, a joke in terms of how much he puts into it, and, and it really is even worse when you look at the amount of points he left on his bench. Um, he started. Uh, I mean, James Conner got injured, but Miko Hardman, a one point six and one target in the opening Thursday night game, um, was a twenty a twenty point difference between his other receiver on that same team, Sammy Watkins, um, and then another one. Did you have Bobby Anderson if, in week if one? If I may, if I may, was Bobby I, I did Anderson not have uh, Robbie Anderson. He was a pickup after week one. But if I may, Roberts, uh, you were over to watch the uh, the Chiefs game, uh, from what I recall, leading into the game. May have uh, bandied a bit around of my decision to start uh, Watkins or Hardman. And uh, I think, quote unquote, you said Watkins has lost it. Like, Reed's not going to throw a single target his way. Uh, so just to put that back on you a little bit, I think if you had that same decision to make week one based on where your head was at, unless you're playing long-term games and a bit of tomfoolery. As a little bit of tampering, as one would say. A little bit Tom of tampering, then, uh, then I think you would have made the same decision. Wouldn't but have been out of character. Learned. Lessons learned. Um, all right, enough about us. Some other week one, I'd say not so surprises, would be Playbook of Eli putting up a whopping 84.7. Um, outside of his one playoff appearance in the Snowclap Cup history, of which he mortgaged the future the prior year. Yeah, literally the, the Peach rule was implemented yeah. in year two to prevent the, the type of tanking we saw uh, for him to have that season two, which, which resulted in a 8-5 um, first-round exit. And apart from that, it's just been, it's just been tragedy. Um, Shakespeare might have been writing the, uh, the storyline for Playbook the last what's looking like four years now, uh, even though he did come away with a win in week two by about two points, still has yet to crack that 100 mark uh, in a week and is sitting as the only guy with sub 200 points uh, through two weeks in the league. An upset, um, you know, just you put him in your number one spot in the power rankings. Um, we'll get to his week two performance in five or six minutes, but Pinto AA run doesn't often start the year off 0-1, let alone 0-2. And he put up an okay week. It's always shady. Did make a bit of a statement. Yeah. On the contrary, with and a 137. That's another thing I think we're going to get to. Uh, you see a couple guys in, in week one putting up, you know, I guess the top three in week one. You've got the gut at 144. Uh, yourself, obviously, we talked about a little bit, the 186. And uh, Shady at 137. And uh, as we move to week two, eventually, uh, you'll see how these guys have continued. And it's created a bit of an upper echelon in the league, I think. So... Uh, outside of that upset, obviously Pinto would like to have that one back, but I mean, you can't really fall to 123. It's not the worst week. Um, outside of that, week one went about as, uh, as expected. Yeah. Skokes has got to be kicking himself a little with a four point loss this week. And, uh, obviously we saw what happened on the Monday night or last night. Yeah. Before we jump, I guess we'll wrap it up on the week one. Um, Paulina's favorite was three and a half points shy of the heaters. Uh, and what would have been potentially maybe his only one of the season. Could be. Looking at his roster top to bottom, there is nothing to be excited about. If you are looking to trade picks for uh, depth and bench players, Skokes is probably your guy because a lot of his starters are not worthy of starting on other teams in this league. Um, so unfortunate bounce for Skokes in week one and another unfortunate in week two, which we will get into. We'll kick off a little week two review quickly by starting on that. 
Um, go ahead. Absolutely. So this was the uh, obviously the game that came down to the wire last night. Most other ones were settled by now. Uh, and that's another 2.3 point loss to Playbook. So we had just uh, obviously given Playbook a little rundown. So I'm not going to give any credit here to him for, uh, for his win in week two, but more so just lay the blame at Paulina's. Who's got to be having flashbacks to uh, to 2018, where he put up a two and uh, two and eleven season, the worst in snowclap history. Is this guy on one year, off one year? Is that his? Uh, is that his thing, Ribs? It's looking like it. But quickly, can I backtrack? Absolutely. Before week two kicked off, we were shocked. The every single person, every manager in the snowclap cup was shocked with the earliest trade in league history. Oh yes. And one of the beauties about this new feature, the podcast of this league is we're going to try and take you guys a little bit behind the scenes and explain to you how some of these trades went down. So going back to the mailbag at the beginning, if you're not McMurtry and sending in a who should I start, who should I bench? Maybe you're flirting with somebody else in the league about a trade. Let us know how that shook out. We're always curious to know. Don't have to tell us all of the details, but give us your explanation. Uh, of any executed trade or maybe would have been executed trade. So, Chris, you were a participant in that trade. Can you give us uh, maybe a, a so minute and a half or two about can, that? Uh, we can get a little bit of a window into how this trade shook out. Uh, so, as you noted, I am a hands-on manager. was very disappointed with my sub-100 week, uh, week one, uh, and knew I had to make some uh, changes. I had about four of my top five guys uh, with some injuries, question marks. Uh, was very disappointed with James Conner. thought Benny Snell could have been the breakout uh, running back going into week two. So... I laid a little open-ended question, uh, or not question, but more so statement to the group, uh, saying that I was open for business. Halftime heaters came in, obviously uh, looking for the prime rib on the bone, went for Kyler and Dalvin. I uh, shook him off of that, and uh, the next thing that came up was price for Godwin. So I thought about it, because Godwin had recently been cussed. He was giving me a bit of a bit of worry, and I wasn't sure how that box offense was going to do after week one. Uh, so I entertained it, started to work. I offered him a completely ridiculous uh, price for Godwin of Miles Sanders, Benny Snell, and a third-round pick. Ooh, That, you know, not even in the realm of possibilities. And he, he made Maybe with Cammy. Maybe, maybe, maybe with Cammy. He made that clear. If so that was he, uh, George, he probably could have pulled it off. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Although, uh, George, you'd be sure to throw that back in my face with his uh, championship ring after me chirping his Kelsey deal. So I won't Oof. go too far down that road. Don't remind me. But... Uh, yeah, no, so the Heaters obviously shook that one off, offered up uh, Chark or DK as a possible replacement for Sanders. We we battled back and forth a bit. I was obviously, um, you know, offering somewhat unreasonable offers, but continuing to kind of seed ground in the pick front. So we got to maybe DK and eighth and Snell. Uh, at that point, he kind of flipped his mind a little bit and said, I want to keep DK, and that was obviously the wise choice, uh, given how DK played uh, last night. Um, or two nights ago, sorry. But uh, then Chark came in, and the pick dropped significantly to a fifth. I continued to hunt after DK a little bit. The Chark-Snell uh, play dropped to a fourth as well. Uh, I poked the waters on the third, but knew that I was not going to really get anywhere in that. When he said no, I said, all right, lock in the fourth. Uh, Chark-Snell for Godwin and his handcuff. And uh, and there we are, the earliest trade in snowclap history. It sounds like you came across a, a hungry, motivated Cam Morrison. I did. And he, you, you, you cloak and daggered him a bit. You were chatting about DK. He didn't want to give him up. And then suddenly the player involved, the pivotal player involved, switched. And suddenly he threw in what is a fourth-round pick. Although it's uh, 11 months away to the next year's draft, a lot of people forget the fourth-round pick is very valuable when there's a one-keeper league in, uh, at play. 
And for example, I got um, Stefan Dix. Yeah. Hopefully he continues to play and well. Bill Pat got Calvin Ridley, who's it's a, it's like a, a it's top a, five receiver. In the you could right get now. one of your best players on your team with that fourth round pick. So not only does Chris position himself, in my opinion, did he win the player to player trade, but he positions himself with a top sixty player next year in the draft, another one, or some draft or some trade capital. Yeah. Moving into the next couple of weeks, you'll be able to dangle that around in some people's faces who are at the bottom of the ba- basement, such as Peach or Paulinas. <laughs> Uh, maybe 200 hot. Depending depending for sure on how the rest of the season goes. It's, it is early. But uh, I would play a bit of devil's advocate there and suggest that, you know, Chris Godwin could be uh, one of the elite receivers in the league when he comes back from this concussion. Concussions, you know, usually don't take too long. And hoping that uh, he doesn't get banged up again. I mean, this is a guy who would routinely put up plus 30-point performances last year, sure, with Jameis behind the helm. But, uh, you know... Looking at the Heaters lineup, this was kind of a missing piece of getting one more stud receiver. And sure, you know, depth might be lacking a little bit on his end, but that starting lineup is scary. And I could see if Godwin comes back, him making a real push if they stay healthy. So on the flip side, he was going sort of big. He was uh, getting rid of some depth and some more middling players and a pick. Uh, But, you know, this could be similar to the Kelsey trade last year. We saw selling the farm for, uh, for a top guy could really pay off. So... We'll see. We'll see. We'll see if he finds his rhythm with uh, 43-year-old Brady and a lot of mouths to feed on that offense. But anyway, back into week two, um, the heaviest hitter of the week uh, that grabbed a lot of headlines and broke one man's heart, Gerlings. Mm-hmm. Um, Will Pat, Patricia's gut, who is showing uh, a lot of prowess early on with a 193-point performance, the highest uh, of the season, of the early season. Uh, beating Gerlings, who put up a 160, which would have been the fourth best week. And the gut, uh, like I said earlier, is he's got a lot going for him right now on and off the field. Um, and just do you want to touch on quickly how week after week, just two weeks in, we've noticed a lot of high point totals amongst fantasy owners. Yeah, for sure. And first off, I'd like to touch a little bit on the gut there. How he's come to be in this situation. The guy's always been a guy who's, you know, he shakes and bakes. He, he likes to make deals. He's, he's constantly on the hustle. Um, and he had that one sort of beat-up team, was bottom of the power rankings 2018, made it all the way to the finals uh, against Pinto's sort of super team, uh, and unfortunately lost there. But here's a guy who's, who's hungry for that one seed, and, and this year he's really made no, no secret of it, was very high on himself after the draft. Uh, on how he felt about his team, so he's he's confident, he's he's ready to plow, uh, and uh, and that is probably that could be the highest point total we see all year. Obviously, a lot of weeks to go, so he has certainly emerged. He's got the highest point total through two weeks, obviously early, but doesn't look like he's slowing down. I think he's got uh, fellow housemate George Goddard up in week three, and uh, from George's sort of desperation uh, call earlier, he's got a projection of 142. Maybe that changed, maybe that didn't. I don't have it in front of me now, but uh, he's steaming. In terms of the other uh, people to round out that three, obviously you're 186 week one, followed by 131, which is no no shabby play. Puts you in sort of the second spot, and then rounding that out is always shady. Who is a guy I did with one sixty five point five week two, a guy I had at the second spot going into the season in terms of um, three years worth of snow clap. He's a guy who's consistent. Yeah, you know, he ha- he doesn't have that ring, but he's always been a guy. You know, despite you know the gears were giving him a little bit here on 
always airing about his trades and who yes. he should pick up, who should keep. Uh, his teams have performed, uh, and they continue to do so. So that upper echelon I see is Bills Mafia, always shady, uh, and the gut currently holding the one spot, uh, kind of separating a little bit from the rest of the pack through two weeks. Shady was definitely, uh, you know, he's had a chip on his shoulder, I think, since he entered the league. We've ragged on him for reaching out to us to be a third-party, unbiased uh, opinion for a trade or a who to start, who not to start. But he did a good job in this year's draft, and in week two it showed. He was throwing around some of that third-year McGill weight and bullied 200 hot, who is the defending champ, who I think has a solid roster, and his own two record doesn't necessarily reflect or the, the talent on his roster doesn't, isn't reflected by his 0-2 record. Um, I want to quickly touch on Burt. It's a guy that we don't like talking about much because he does most of the talking. Um, but he had a hell of a week. He put up 163 consecutively. He yeah. put up over 160 consecutive weeks. So in terms of consistency, did he do 155 last no, week? No, no, no. Sorry, he did 130 or 129 the week before, and then I think like 164 this uh, week too. But he was playing you in week. Uh, oh, 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 I thought it so, was a lot more than that. Yeah, no, no. But he, he's, he's sitting at the third spot in terms of total points. Or, sorry, the, the fourth spot, fifth spot, uh, behind Christian McCaffey, a.k.a. the Pearl, who had 296 uh, after his harrowing 160-point loss. But, yeah, Burt is an interesting case. Um, he's a guy who will routinely, I don't think uh, in my power rankings, I think when I was going through this, and, and did play some, you know, I gave him, gave him the fifth spot. But the guy hasn't had a winning record in the regular season but i feel like every year you see you know when you look at the strictly the points for he's got top three points for in the league besides guys who are like 10 and 3 and he's sitting there at you know five and eight six and seven with uh with like 1700 points and he's got a real grievance there he hasn't been lucky in his matchups he has been a strong advocate as we all know of uh trying to jingle up the uh, divisions and uh, get an easier schedule for himself. And mm-hmm. clearly this year, that's also uh, taking a factor as he sits one and one with uh, 293 points through two, uh, two weeks. Yeah. To, to wrap up the week two review, um, yes, some trends are starting to emerge with, uh, as Chris alluded to, an upper echelon. And there's definitely a lower echelon, which I think we could save. We'll touch on in a minute. Uh, but there was definitely a lot of bodies that went down. Um, it's been the headline that we've been seeing on every sports website over the past 48 hours is how many people got banged up in week two. Obviously, Saquon is the headliner. Um, Obviously, and that uh, that really hurts for the heaters. Um, going in with the second overall pick, obviously. McCaffrey, too, but McCaffrey. to a lesser extent, four weeks. Is that four to six? It's four to six. Um, could, so long as the Pearl is able to keep it, keep a season sort of on the rails, until he comes back, you know, you really just need to turn it on and play up time. So uh, that could be that could be fine so long as he manages to to hold it together. But Saquon for the season, that's... Raheem that's Mostert, good. although it's not season-ending, he was off to that's a very you. strong start for me. Yeah. On that team, Garoppolo goes down. What's that do to Kittle's value? Yeah. What does that do to most of the other teams? Kittle, you know? another injury. Not Kittle, two, another injury, he, yeah. Uh, he went down Mike Thomas, one. another And we injury. know that Skokes has been looking to shop him around. Skokes, obviously... Uh, I think is your guy to call if you want to make some moves. He is the prime target for a rinsing of a trade right now. Yeah. So long you're willing to throw a couple of picks in. Um, but it's all about pushing for this year because we got a, what, $1,800 pot? Give more or take? That, more than 2000 Oh, yeah, no. More than oh, 2400 Plus an extra, what, 75 from last place. So we got 2475 in the pot. Diced up. A couple people get their money back. But, I mean... 
it might be place, worth hedging. Yeah. First place might be walking away with uh, north of uh, eighteen hundred dollars. So after uh, week two, obviously there's not. Um, we can't make too too many conclusions outside of like the injury outside of the injuries we just mentioned. There's still lots and lots of football to be played. Um, we haven't really gone over a power rankings, Chris and I, but we're just going to quickly try and maybe buzz out 45 seconds a team, try and figure out 12 to 1, who's going to be packing whose bowl. Um, we'll look back on this, I assume, at the end of the season, and the way sports goes, we'll probably be completely wrong. But to start in the 12 spot, my personal opinion right now is somebody we just discussed. He's shopping. He messaged me today. He's looking to get rid of talent. He's looking for picks. Paulina and Paulina's favorites. Yeah, yeah. I would have to, uh, I would certainly say he's, he's down there. He's, uh, he's a bottom feeder right now. He's going to be uh, right around there and definitely in that 9 to 12 playoff uh, from what I expect come year end. But I got to say, um, I'm going to stick to where I landed going into the season over the last three years and uh, a guy who just has not been able to get it going. Um, playbook? Graham. Yeah, playbook of Eli, I think will be. Uh, you know, he's got to get those lungs in shape. Uh, otherwise, he's going to be greening out for uh, for next year's draft. So yes. that's my pick. I, I can agree with that. I think let's give uh, Skokes the benefit of the doubt here. Maybe some of these trades he's about to pull off will benefit him in the short term as well. Uh, but, yes, Patty's history as a, a terrible manager um, should cement him in the 12 spot. Uh, maybe it's time for him to move on from the playbook of Eli management name. It's either cursed or maybe the fact that Eli had an ugly end to his career. It's time to move on to something to cheer about, even though Daniel, Daniel Jones isn't, isn't much to cheer about from what we've Certainly seen. Certainly without Saquon, uh, um, there's not a lot. He's got it. He's got, he can do any, anything better than the playbook of Eli. He, he, you can send that in for review, Pat. Um, we'll talk about it internally. And uh, I think, you know, just considering how poorly you've performed for the past couple of years, any form of change is for the best. So send, send something in. Um, moving on to 11, do you think anyone could test with Paulina's? Is, is maybe 200 hot in the question? Uh, I don't think 200 hot's in the question, so to speak. You know, I think you've got an uh, MVP candidate in Russell Wilson there who's going to, you know, continue to pop off uh, as he tends to do. You've got Evans, Edwards, Hilaire, David Johnson. Uh, what George has been telling me uh, is he's, he's desperate for a tight end. He's currently got Ebron, who is not... I've got Ingram really performing and you've got Ingram so you know um we may be a podcast but we could also be a facilitator of trades here so uh Georgie listen listen close um I think George can bounce out of this uh I think looking at this and after the injury to Saquon heaters certainly drops a bit but he was I would say closer to the top before that injury so I don't think he's going to fall all the way to 11 I would agree that uh, six to eight range Paulina's it's Paulina's yeah I can agree with Paulina's nine um I think he's he's lacking talent, and his interest to trading this early in the season indicates to me he's ready to throw in the towel. Um, number ten, I mean, it, it's really between a couple of teams. Just just really the heaters. I don't like given the Saquon injury. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to have a tough time climbing out of that hole. And I think I gave him a little bit of a nod earlier in this pod. Two hundred hot. I said he was a decent decent team but looking at the rosters right now i mean is there anyone else outside of heaters and 200 hot that you would put in that 10 spot somebody who's going to be duking it out for the the pay an extra 75 and rip a massive banger uh not 
not sticking out right away. I would say that um, Matty Lines, you know, there's a chance. There's a chance that he falls off. Uh, if he if an injury comes in, I do like the current starters outside of the flex and tight end I've mentioned earlier. But I think anything goes down in that system, his bench is looking dismal, okay. and that could be that could be it. Okay. And I don't see him remedying it or taking the steps uh, necessary to really rewrite the ship if something really goes awry there. Yeah. In terms of power rankings right now, I think Maddie Lines would be a bit higher. But this is yeah. keep in mind uh, an end of year prediction: who will be fighting for the cup and who will be. Uh, duking it out not to hit the bowl. So uh, Matty Lines' trajectory usually goes downhill as the season progresses, especially if he's uh, not off to a good start. So I'm happy with Lines at 10. Nine, we've got it. Well, I would say 200 hot 10 and then Lines 9. You want to go 200 hot 10? I say let's throw 200 hot in 10. Yeah. I mean, I I did peep the uh, Yahoo Sports standings predictions. It has 200 hot going 2 and 11. It does. He Um, has a tough schedule. Next is 4 and 9. Um so it, it has 200 hot, not only with a bad team, but with a tough schedule. Yeah, um, so we'll go 200 hot at 10. Yeah. We'll go lines at 9. And then heaters, heaters, heaters it has to be. Heaters has to be 8. I don't think he can go much higher it's, than that. It's tough, though, because you look at his team, and it doesn't look like it's playoff quality. It doesn't. But I've been in positions in the past, eking into the 8 spot, with probably worse squads. Um, I think the biggest question mark there is really how Godwin, this trade, works out for him. If Godwin comes back and he's currently sitting in his flag spot... Uh, and ends up being that guy. I do know, think he has some depth at receiver. I think he has serious depth at receiver. Corey Davis, Christian Kirk are two very, very good bench receivers. And very if Godwin good. can perform, like you said, and then you've got Allen he can Robinson, he can start back-up. shipping at least one of them for you know a better a better backup running back, um, a tight end option. Even though Andrews is great, but he, I mean he, he's, he, got he's got he's got capital Goddard on the bench, and he has too. Goddard. Never mind. I think he's got. I think he's he's he can bounce back from this. Heaters is one of those teams that could injury. upset a one seed. He could. It really, it's uh, the guys now that he's got and that are healthy that uh, that step up in the absence. And uh, yeah, I think you know what we've got him at eight right now. We've got him at eight. We've got him at eight, and he could be one of those guys who gets in the little back end of the playoffs and makes a deep run like we saw yeah. uh, Patterson do. We got to last week or last year. Um, moving on, a guy that hasn't performed well. He's got the second, third lowest point total. And he's 0-2, but I think because of his history in this league, we, we've overlooked his poor performance so far. Um, the fact that we're putting him in the seventh spot will ruffle some feathers. It will. And I'm Absolutely. assuming we're hitting Pinto A.A. Ron in the seventh spot next. I think we Because I think there's a clear middle tier after that and a clear upper tier. Um, so. That we can figure out the top six. But I think Pinto's got to be in the seven. There's no way he's better than any of those remaining teams. And I think if I walk through Pinto's team, I mean, you've obviously got a guy like Lamar Jackson. Last week could have been an anomaly. He could be sitting at one and one with uh, a lot more points than he currently has. Uh, you've got a guy, you got some real concerns. you got Julio Jones, who I've seen a question mark, uh, questionable beside. But regardless of that, it looks like Calvin Ridley might be taking over that one spot on the Falcons offense. I mean, you've got a team that puts up 39 points and this guy gets two receptions, four targets for, you know, what, 24 yards? That just uh, can't happen to an elite receiver like Julio. Amari as well. I mean, Amari, I think, will bounce back. I don't see him uh, continuing that trend down. He just didn't get in the end zone that game. Uh, and and Melvin had a good week last week. But Ronald Jones, it looks like he might be losing out to Fournette. Fournette, yeah. Um, you've got, you know, Jared Cook, who is looking I mean, he got a touchdown. That passing offense in general right now is not looking great. It's not looking great, and he had some pretty brutal drops that game. So, yeah. you know, Pinto, I could see, you know, struggling. Um, yeah, I think seven. That's fair. 
This is where it gets a little bit interesting, but I think I'm there's a clear six. I'm going to volunteer yeah. myself here for the six spot. It's the slide. Yeah, it's me. Um, look, I'm, I'm happy with my Kyler Murray pick. I made a bit of moves early uh, just to shore up or just that one move largely. Um, I don't love my receivers. They're pretty weak. I've got Chark, Judy, and Devontae Parker starting this week. So um, do with that what you may. I do like, you know, Dalvin if James Conner can continue to perform like he did last week. Uh, worst case scenario, I do have the backup now handcuffed. Tight end is a difficult decision for me. John o. Smith's had a incredible week. Uh, Zach Ertz has not performed, but he's, you know, after his career to date, he's mm-hmm. still earning that spot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I've got depth. I think I've got plenty of options in my bench to to replace people if need be, should injuries arise. I've obviously lost Sutton for the year, uh, who was my keeper. Um, so I, I think, yeah. I, I do uh you mentioned Katie had the third or fourth least points. Yeah. I actually third. I actually have fewer than him. Uh I think I'm actually third here. Yeah. Um or uh fourth here. So, you know, he might take that as a bit of a snub, but winners win and I uh, went head to head with him last week and uh came up on top. So two teams there I guarantee make moves. Significant moves yeah. in the next six to eight weeks before the deadline. Pinto and the slide. Yeah, I'd keep your eye on both of them. They're going to be firing at everyone's messages got on Facebook. Got an extra fourth to ship too. You've got capital, push. and you know Katie's been scheming something. Always winners win. This is where it gets interesting, in my opinion. I think this is although there's three two and zero teams. I do think McAfee has a good team, and I do think Bird has a good team. Um, but with the five spot, I'm looking at him now, and this is tough. Bert has. Maybe one of the top players at each position, receiver and running back. Yeah. Hopkins and Jones. Wow. Which is huge. Well, I haven't really dug into Burt's His team. bench isn't anything special. Hayden Hurst is an underperforming tight end. Marvin Jones, I don't watch enough Lions. He hasn't done much, has he? He had that one brunk in week one. Yeah, he, he had a better week last week, but still not no breakouts. And then I'm looking over at Pearl's team right now. I think I think we're gonna be, I think Pearl will be in the five because Pearl's Although I do love Devin Singletary, he's been splitting carries with Zach Moss. David Montgomery in Chicago. Chicago's offense is nothing special with Trubisky at the helm. Um, I'm going to agree. It's Smith-Schuster and Odell. Smith-Schuster, I mean, how often do they really exceed their... might be their... taking Smith-Schuster's one spot yeah. and, and over the course of the season. OBJ looks like, I mean, Landry might be coming in. He did get that kind of bounce-back touchdown that definitely uh, soothed Pearl's nerves a little bit on that flashy uh, banged-up pick in the draft. Allen, though, I, I did. I, I'll admit when I'm wrong. I, I chastise him a little bit for that keeper selection. Uh, has been, I think, one of the top four fantasy players through two weeks. Um, so, I mean, he's good. Look, these teams, good. Are, these both teams, teams are both are good. very good. I think they both had good weeks on their losses and very strong weeks on their wins. So, you know, it's a toss-up 4-5 there. Uh, I would agree with you that... I think Burt has more... Burt's got more... Star strength. power. Yeah, I, I think go. Bird's got guys that can win a week by forty points. I agree. He yeah. can. He we've seen it. We, he put up one thirty and one sixty five or one sixty five or one sixty whatever it was. He's got the ability to hit home runs with guys like Aaron Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, um, and and Gerlings, Although guys like Odell and Smith Schuster, their projections are always going to be in the high teens. They could also get. Yeah. Both of them could get five catches for forty he could, yards he could put up in, in any given week. You know, obviously, you know. McCaffrey is the focal point, and he should be coming back mm-hmm. um, four to six weeks. That but, hurts. 
Um, you know, this is end of season. I guess like I could see him coming back and Pearl making a push to the playoffs. But with McCaffrey uh, down, I think we put him at the five. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I think five, I think it'll hurt his four. record throughout the season. Maybe McCaffrey doesn't even get the workload he usually gets because the Panthers might be two and ten come playoff time. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and then clearly Burton the four. Are we are we well, happy Burton to agree four, on the top to, three? Happy to agree Burton the four in the top three. And then this is this is a part. Uh, I'll let you kind of. Uh, Explain your thought process because I, I don't want to sound too biased. I like my team a lot. Yeah, um, I see that. I'm worried about injuries. For example, Raheem Mostert going down. I'm not looking good in the RB2 position right now. It's Sony Michelle. Yeah, um, that's what I was going to bring up. Sony Michelle could get three points in one week. I don't love your bench right and now. And at best, he gets 15 points. My bench is very bad. And Devontae Adams also hurt his hamstring. So I think a couple injuries, and I could suddenly become closer to a 500 team. Yeah, I I'm think- off to a hot start like my Buffalo Bills, but we've seen this in the past. Yeah. I, I think for you, I'm going to put you at three spot here. And the main main reason being we're looking, you know, over the course of a season, uh, if your team is still there and ready to make that push in the playoffs. And with the injuries you've got, the possibility, you know, I don't love the depth. I don't see you plugging those holes as easily as some teams maybe when uh, when people go down and the fact that you've already got guys. That's why we, I'm going to make some noise in the trade market. Yeah, I'm sure you will. I could definitely see that. And you've got a lot of capital to make moves with. I think Diggs at the flex is an incredible uh, pick. That was one of your best. Definitely concerns with Michelle uh, at your RB2. But, you know, the, Any hope depth. Is, the hope is Mostert comes back. But then, yeah, you've got a really top starting lineup, and then I don't love what's behind it. Whereas I look at a guy like um, who we got here. Quickly, before you get into that. Yeah. Derrick Henry also hasn't had much of a fantasy performance yet. No. And I put up two decent weeks. That's true. I think he had 15 and 11. Those yeah. were his two weeks. He's good. He's good to pop off for a high 20, low 30 soon. Yeah. He's gotten 30 and honestly, 24 carries. Honestly, okay. Um, it, it's, it's tighter than I thought now looking at Merck's team, um, who With I the, think it's a toss-up. I do think uh, Willer, you know, is making a strong case. Right he likely takes... I'll, I'll get into his team in a second. But the thing with Murd is Tyreek, as we know, you know, he did save his week, but he's very on and off. You never know what you're going to get week to week. One could deep be ball. 2.1, could be uh, 38 points. Robert Woods, you know, the Rams may be looking like their offense is coming back and he, him and couple split. So, sure, he's pretty good. Uh, Zeke, great. Taylor, rookie, who's starting to starting to really come out into his own. He's going to get 20 um, to 25 carries a game. Yeah, so he's definitely, you know, strong there. And Boy, Waller, Waller, I want to yeah. focus on uh, after last night, obviously. Um, we all saw what he did. I think he's going to be uh, an absolute stud at tight end. And next year, he's going to be one of the top three off the board, I would say. Don't love Tyler Boyd at the flex. I think you definitely uh, outgun him at the flex. And then, yeah, looking at his depth, uh, I mean, he handcuffs himself with Pollard. Um, but other than that, I don't. Love what I'm seeing on this bench. Traquan Smith was his, was a decent pickup last night. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how but many I mean, people he texted, but... You, like, the thing with that is you get Mike Thomas back, and then he falls back into... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. I'll, I'll take the three. Um, or Merton the three. I might, I might flip on that one. I think okay. I'm going to go Merton the three. You Merton the three, me and the two, and then let's hear your uh, yeah. input on your roommate, your rival, your yeah. best friend, the gut. The gut. So I... I, I sh- Probably should have looked at his team earlier, but I mean, looking at it now, I'm not having any regrets about this. I mean, you got Dak Prescott. Uh, I don't love him as like a legitimate real life QB. Um, Neither. He's in great offense with, you know, good protection, 
bell cow running back, great receivers. So top receivers. And he and he can move. He can get those you know rushing yards. So obviously thirty nine point eight points this past week. He he can show what he can do, and I think he'll do that on a relatively consistent basis going forward. Uh, T Y D J Moore is your uh, starting wideouts. I mean D J Moore. I think the Panthers will play from behind a lot, so he will get um, a good amount of targets and and a good amount of um, volume. T.Y. is at a disappointing start to the season, um, but obviously he's a, a preeminent yeah. wideout and, uh, you know, should start to see some chemistry with, with Phil Rivers. And then you've got Kamara, who I think is probably going to be the MVP of this year, certainly with Saquon down and, yeah. and, and McCaffrey down. Last night weeks. was a showing. Last night was absolutely absurd. Just watching that guy run is, is something else. Alvin the Bull, good pick. Kenyon Drake is, uh, you know, sure he hasn't popped off with uh, a primarily throwing offense um, on and probably the lead rusher on that team's Kyler right now. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he's going to get his touches. They're going to get a couple of those throws. They're going to go down at the one or two-yard line. He'll run them in. So he's also, like, you know, just a clear-cut RB1 on a strong offense. That That's his depth. Always perform. Because his depth is great. So is it? Finishing out his, finishing out his team with Noah Fant, who with Cortland Sutton out is – Literally the lead receiver on the Broncos who are going to be playing from behind. And then Calvin Ridley, who literally looks like he might be a top. He top five, five, five fantasy receiver. Possibly top three fantasy receiver. Yep. Then you've got Gasicki, who impressed me at tight end. So backing up uh, his fan pick. Like, he might even start over fan. This guy was... Gasicki both, yeah. The, the only reason the Bills and the... He chewed Dolphins, up the Bills. Uh, the Bills were missing some first. linebackers. They but were. But Fitz clearly trusts him. And some of those catches he was making. He, he has talent. Dobbins, He's a part of the offense. You've got that rookie back on Baltimore. High-powered offense. He's going to probably come more into his own. Jesus. Um, Latavius Murray. I mean, he's handcuffed his, his biggest risk, which is Kamara getting injured. Kenny G is... He hasn't even been seen a single cent of production from Kenny G because he's been injured for the first two weeks, likely back week three. And he's a another wide receiver five possibility. Yeah. Mike Williams, big boy, big play, uh, and Edmonds. I mean, again, this guy is so he's handcuffed. He's got security on his top guys. His team is stacked. Incredible depth. And then Tucker, top kicker in the league, Pitt D. I mean, I stream my Ds, but Again, that's a strong D. Like this guy's top to bottom stacked. Uh yeah. barring barring a ton of injuries. I, I don't see a lot of misfortune would have to come his way top three um, for him not to be at least contending at the end of the season for the snow clap cup knowing and looking at the amount of talent he has as well. I'm sure he'll be able to shuffle around um, some players, maybe bring in another superstar to cement a starting lineup in playoffs. Um, I'd be afraid every single, every, whoever his opponent is this week, it's heaters. That's going to be an ugly own three start for heaters. Oof. He stands absolutely no chance to beat the gut. And then moving forward, if you're playing the gut, looking at it now, you might as well chalk it up as a loss. Whereas I think most of those other teams, including McMurtry and I, most people, except for some of those basement dwellers can put up a fight. It's Any still a pretty balanced league. Any given Sunday. I popped off in week one. I don't think that's going to happen again. Yeah. Um, McMurtry's got a good consistent team, but like you said, it's not perfect. And then there's some teams in the middle that are barring a couple of injuries could make some noise. Yeah. Um, so there's a clear number one. I think, you know, before this podcast, we discussed how there was an upper echelon of McMurtry, myself, and the gut. But after doing a little bit more research throughout, I think that the gut is in his own echelon. I think he's in his own echelon. Just that team is stacked. Really because of the depth. His, his bench players would be starting on majority of the teams majority. in the league. And then maybe the second echelon would be coupled with Mafia, Shady, Pearl, Burt. Yeah. Third would be you, Pinto, Heaters. Yeah. 
maybe lines, maybe, maybe, lines. maybe. not with his management maybe. skills, <laughs> but maybe lines, and then and then maybe. the bottom echelon of uh, lines, yeah. uh, two hundred hot playbook, playbook and yeah, Paulinas. Paulinas. It's a good group of guys, but really I if guys. any of them were to hit a bull, who would, in your opinion? be worse off if they had to hit a bowl before their draft and who would be able to handle it the best? Well, I mean, I think there's a clear cut handle it the best. Um, 200 hot showed up to this year's draft. He's probably, hitting a bowl regardless. Probably seven bowls deep without even being challenged to it. So I yeah. think I don't, I, you would have to shop around some pretty custom shops to find a bowl that would knock him on his ass. Yeah. Um, don't really know where Skokes lands in the bowl hitting tree, but I would suspect not well. I would suspect <laughs> Skokes might get floored by a nice batched yeah. up uh, rimmer. Um, so that I could see. Peach would maybe be fucked as well. Oh, Peach, absolutely, yeah. Um, especially if somebody packing it for him. He's one of those guys, he's always got a bit of a target on his back, whereas Skokes not so much. Yeah. Whoever wins this league, if it's Skokes or Peach, I think that they would be a little bit more gutty towards a Peach Bowl. I think so. Considering that, I, I don't know about Skokes, like you said. I do think I've seen him rip a dart or two in the past. Peach, Absolutely. can't say the same. No. Sprinkle some Although, batter onto that bowl, and his first and second round I will pop in there with that uh, at Palmerston one night, uh, I believe after maybe it was the Basti concert. Me and Peach went two bowls back-to-back each. Uh, and fired out to Bangarang. I mean, I can't speak to how he was performing at Bangarang, but the fact that he did it... Uh, we ended up at Rolson. Yeah, we did. Absolutely slaughtering dumplings. Peach and I. Yeah. So he dumplings. made it through that night, came out unscathed uh, after a double bowl uh, with no prior kind of... Um, but no back, and he packed it himself. That's true. That's so he knows his point. own limits. That's true. Although he, he still was probably flooned. I bet he was Doug Flooned. He yeah. was probably Doug Flooney. 2001 but he knows his own limits yeah will pat does he has no limits assuming no. he takes the cake yeah. will pat has no limits he's gonna batch he does green batch, batch green yeah it'll be a double pat batter. will never it's feel that baked bowl. ever again in his life and he never has up until that day no. if he were to lose so i think pat would take the cake for being the worst off if he comes last yeah i um, disagree but at the same time I, I i hope pat doesn't come last um he's a great member of the league and if he were to pay the extra seventy five, there would definitely be a little bit of a uh, uproar from the uh, from Pat. I, I was with him this morning. He was already voicing concerns about having to pay two seventy five. It's a lot of money, and it would it would push back. I know you and I. We have an agenda that we're going to try and increase this year over year over year. Yeah. Um, with a guy like Pat paying two seventy five, he's going to be tampering throughout the rest of the um, cheaper people in the league not willing to commit as much financially yeah we could see a two-party system come out here there could um, be a clear two-party system yeah um so for the greater good of the league i hope pat doesn't come last yeah his voice is loud when it comes to the uh voting at the agm around the is. toll or the uh the wager um but who, who's the fourth in that bottom uh, four echelon fourth you got uh, possibly line no no line possibly heaters Possibly, no, we had, we're going to have to review the notes, but <laughs> we'll I think notes. it was... Either way, lines, I feel like he could step Either in. Either way, line. both those guys are smoking Either fucking Lino's and Bingo's. No matter how much back and you beers. put in the heaters, he's going to wolf that one down. They'll be fine. Uh, okay. So yeah, it's really just... just chopping back and first here. Like, I, I can yeah. see that guy taking one down. Him and cash debt. Yeah. Um, okay, I guess uh, to round it out, um, quick. Next couple of weeks are going to be full of trades. We had the earliest one happen already. This league is off to a hot start. There's a lot at stake. Yeah. 
Everyone wants to win it. You are looking to trade. Who are the who's the first two people that you would consider trading with and the last two people that you're not even gonna bother sending a message to? So people that you know historically haven't been the best traders or people that you think you can finesse a little bit into moving forward uh, your team in, in, in the near future and then two people that you're not even going to bother messaging. Yeah, I guess I'll start this one with the people I'm not going to bother messaging because um, I know just, you know. Two sharks or based on Just people. based on, you know, people with just unrealistic expectations who are never going to even entertain a trade where it might be even the need to have the edge on it. Uh, so a guy like Bert, I personally would not trade with. Um, Ever. I know I know Katie sold the farm in the year he won, and that was sure gave Bert significant capital going to the year. But Katie knew all he needed was a few, bit more firepower to win that. So I know he made that trade. I I would not, even though Bert's going to be he's he's usually wheeling and dealing a little bit. Uh, I wouldn't touch that. Um, someone who kind of fits both categories because I see him being a possible good trade target with a lot of capital and being able to move for a number one spot, but also one guy who's kind of a bit stingy uh, when it comes to that and, and resides in my house. So uh, I don't know if we could come to kind of an agreement there. I feel like we'd always be late night up would be, uh, would be Patterson. Um, so he could fall into either of those two categories, somebody who I might look to, uh, to get a trade in, who I don't believe I've done a deal with in the past, but who we talked about is probably looking to make moves closer to the deadlines. A guy like Paulina's yep. uh, Skoxy. So He's I fun mean, to trade with. If he, if he continues his trajectory right now and uh, at the trade deadline, just looking for some capital, I've got a fourth to ship, probably more than that, and I'll be looking to probably add a star wide out. Okay. All right. How well, you? you guys heard it here first. Those are Chris's top trade targets and bottom two trade targets, and he has capital to move. I am looking for a running back too. Please put some thought into your mailbag as we prepare for the week four podcast. That's going to wrap it up, though, for the week two and the first ever. Um, excited to hear your feedback, and uh, obviously I'm sure some of you guys will be a little offended as to some of the way we portrayed your management styles and future in the league. But it's all fun and games. We're still going to snoke and we're still going to clap all season long. And we're excited to see how it shakes out. Any last remarks? Uh, no, I'm excited for the season. I can't believe we're two weeks in already. I mean, this moves fast. Uh, pretty soon it's going to be December and we'll be on that playoff hunt. So, you know, looking forward to it. I hope uh, in some cases we're wrong and I expect in some cases we're going to be right. So uh, looking forward to continuing this throughout the year and definitely happy to not be putting in uh, a five-hour shift on power rankings anymore. This is a much better way of communicating it. No longer do you have to devote six hours of your week every four weeks to an in-depth research report on every single team and their history yeah. and all of their moves and flinches and anything that is noted on Yahoo Sports. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. We will talk to you in two weeks.